welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the working that is Chrononaut Chronicles. Uh, my name is Bill. I am the host of the show. I don't think I've ever said that before in an intro, so kind of wanted to make it a point to say that this time. But I am joined tonight by three of the prime Chrononauts so far, and we'll hear from them in a just a second. Uh, but before that, uh, I did want to look at the almanac real quickly. It looks like we do have a uh, a new moon coming up on Thursday. And it also looks like there's an eclipse that day, too. So maybe something uh, to look out for. And just a fun little tidbit that is in here that I found interesting was that the death of the oldest known spider uh, was announced in 2018. Uh, the anniversary of that was this Wednesday. So that's that's coming up this week as well. The spider was uh, 43 years old. It was a uh, trapdoor of the trapdoor species. So... Uh, death does kind of tie into the topic that I kind of had uh, picked out to to end the show with, which is kind of weird because you don't think that the uh, the inspirational segment of the show would have to talk about death, but here we go. <laughs> uh, but before we get into all of that, I did want to thank Derek for hosting the show and sponsoring the show through mysticalwares.com. So uh, Derek, well, I guess we'll start with you. Thanks for being here. Uh, what's going on? What are you grateful for? Um, I, I appreciate that. I'm uh I'm well also with grateful. Um I, I'm grateful for what we call synchronicities um and or those breadcrumbs in life because of how um I I'm paying more attention and following those. They're leading to bigger and better things and a lot more fun. And we can get into some of that when I'm getting at specifically later, maybe. But just the synchronicities that are out there from ourselves for ourselves, um, you know, to realize and pick up on. Um, and then I kind of like to make the, the, the poor joke of you find enough of those breadcrumbs, you know, you have a loaf of bread and then, you know, then you can figure out what to do with that loaf of bread because there's always more. Um, but yeah, so I've been paying attention to those and I appreciate them and I'm grateful for them. And that's what I actually led to this podcast too with me and, and you and Ben, Adam and Owen. So no, it's been great. Yeah, for sure. Synchronicities are super fun to keep track of. Um, it's, this is this is this podcast is a synchronicity. Um, me meeting Ben and Adam and and you, Derek. It's all one synchronistic pie. Uh, speaking of uh, Ben and Adam, either one of you two want to uh, share anything that uh, perhaps you are grateful for this evening, and then and then uh, we can go from there. Adam? Sure. Uh, I'm absolutely grateful for, uh, the weather, water, uh, rain. It has been pouring down here for the last week. Uh, some places getting like 20 or 24 inches within an hour of raindrops. So, uh, it's been incredibly dry. Everything's dying. Everybody's lawn is dead. You can see it in all of the species and yeah, it's just exciting, uh, to, uh, to see all that life that is going to spring back up from this, uh, inclement weather. So I love it. So I'm glad. I'm glad that you avoided all of the uh, the craziness with the. the I guess so there's some flooding down south of where you are, right? Yeah, a little a little further south. There's localized flooding, um, but yeah, not as bad as Fort Lauderdale got. Do you have like any scalar antenna device around your house or whatever? Because I don't know. Whenever I hear what, bad news weather about Florida, I'm like, oh fuck, Adam's gonna, you know, right? But you always you're, you're always fine, which I'm grateful for. But 
like i don't know is that you're just in a good area i don't i don't even know exactly where you're located to be honest um because we've never well, met before like well, what know. do you mean by like being in a good area you mean just like you know for for the way that weather works around it yeah like you're on the the ocean side right not the gulf side. yeah i'm on the ocean side and like most places when you actually start paying attention to the weather you know people start defining it as you know east or west of this road uh and there are certainly some geologic divides uh here locally where i'm at uh pretty much within like uh three miles where you just tend to get more storm development and rain uh, and it kind of breaks right over the lake uh, and then it opens back over the water and then there's this section of about where i'm living at um, I'd probably say, you know, a five to six mile stretch of where, um, maybe not even five to six, let's probably say three to four mile of where the, the weather is just inclemently weird. Meaning it seems that the storms, the cow, the clouds kind of go around during certain parts of the season, you know, Interesting. so I don't know. I've always thought that I live in a geologically unique perspective because, uh, I live here in Lantana and it's always kind of been just the town that was that way you know the weather was always just a little bit different here than it was in boynton beach than it was in palm beach than it was in west palm yeah i feel like uh the west michigan area is kind of like a little weather pocket too but uh, i guess i asked about the scalar antenna thing because i was reading a lot reading a lot i look was doing a little bit of looking up on the topic of electroculture which is mm -hmm. basically just sticking copper rods in the ground which i think Ben told me about uh Ben did you do you remember mentioning that to me like a few weeks ago or am I just misremembering and by the way Yeah I brought that up we were talking about scalar and Oregon energy and uh I'd just been reading about it uh that day actually so yeah well, I've, I've got these uh 12 foot 4 by 4 posts that I bought like 2 years ago I have no idea what I'm going to do with. I was going to build a fence for a garden, but that kind of didn't work out. So now I'm just thinking about turning them into huge, huge electroculture antennas and putting them in the ground. To wrap some copper wire around them. But that's uh, maybe for a different topic uh, time. But Ben, what are you? How are you? And uh, what are you grateful for, if anything? Uh, doing great. And yeah, um, today I am grateful uh for my body and range of movement started the new gig and it's as physically demanding as i uh was anticipating and my body is stepping up and making it seem easy so awesome so you're like you're wading wading through the water then too a little bit because you're setting deck like dock nope dock boat. no nope. i uh <laughs> There was ice on this lake less than a week ago. Um, and for all the uh, benefits of cold exposure and therapy, I am not a fan. So if that was part of it, I'd probably be finding something to do right now. Um, no, we have a barge. The crew I work on has a, has a couple of barges. And so everybody is on a fairly stable work platform, as stable as you can be on a boat, I suppose. Awesome. So you got to find your sea legs then. Yeah. Yeah. You ever get motion sickness? Being, have you been on? Uh, your... Not, not really. Um, small planes, the bush planes up in Alaska, but that was really up to the pilot too. So. Uh, 
I'm I'm pretty good with with travel and motion. I I remember getting a little bit queasy on a I think it was a it was a, some kind of tow boat. Believe it or not, I was on the way out to Catalina Island, not the Catalina Island off of California, but there's actually one off of the Dominican Republic. And I was down there during a, a field field a field school I want a field class on archaeology during college, and we were going out to this island because the the dive team from the university I went to was going to recover a cannon from one of Captain Kidd's pirate ships that had sunken there. So we were uh, boated out to this little island on what the towboat that they used to drag this cannon back in, and that that is the the time that I remember getting a little bit queasy because it wasn't built for passengers. We were just sitting on the edge of this little tiny boat with like two gigantic motors on the back so that's my story about motion sickness but speaking of synchronicities uh adam and i we have a synchronistic past in that uh i actually met his co-host of his other podcast called cat in the box at CryptidCon back in 2019 and we were uh there was a conference, obviously, about Bigfoot and, and, and the such, and a bunch of us from another podcast called Cruising with Steak had rented some hotel rooms, a block of hotel rooms, and I got to room with Justin, who is Adam's co-host, and I didn't know Adam at the time, so come to find out they're doing 13 questions that I actually got to meet Justin before Adam, which is kind of unique, synchronistic in a while. Yeah, it's the uh, the world is a lot smaller than it would seem. People tend to find those uh, genuine connections when uh, statistically it just should not happen. So those little synchro moments. Well, and with with hermetics, right, the law of attraction, your frequencies were attracting to each other long before you you got together and and knew about each other even, and so those connections between Adam and his co-host and you working in to the picture, you were just kind of honing in on the frequency you were looking for. So in, I guess in the, the play of life and if, when given that uh, we may have multiple or we do have multiple incarnations, right. And, how many of these new people do we really meet? Because I've heard of like these soul contracts and and galactic families that it's the same person playing a different role in each life. Like, do we really ever meet anybody new? Does anybody have any thoughts on that? Hmm. Yeah, as I say, that's an interesting question. It all depends on your perspective. I mean, ultimately, you can say we're all one, of course. Um, but if you come out, uh, you know the. I don't know the soul or spirit perspective. I mean, you often you're meeting your other selves. Um, it is another way of putting it too. It's all depends, you know, it's a play of words, of course, and depends who I'm talking to and how I get into and describe it on um, what their understanding is, because you got to keep it digestible and understandable. But I've seen in this lifetime, I've met and I've I lived in Europe four years. Um, I was in the US military there for some time. And I'm bringing that up because and I don't even know how many countries I went through and toured and did different things in. And in a couple of them, three times, I saw the same. And I didn't know these people. They were just tourists, to put a title on them. Didn't know, but identify 
very identifiable enough to where I recognized them and they recognized me in different countries, months apart. It wasn't some tourist thing where we're on, you know, you take the bus from A to B. Again, I was in the military, so I did things, air quotes here, randomly and synchronistically, these people lined up. And what it all played out to be, it wasn't that they had some magic word to tell me or something to to do for me. It was for me and or them to have that realization or aha moment at the time that that is a thing. And I'm sure there's a better word than a thing for it. Um, but that does happen. And I had multiple of those occurrences or synchronicities um, or, you know, again, aha moments I like to call them in life that made this to where it wasn't, oh, you know, the odds are this. No, it was straight up impossible odds to happen. It's happened many times. And we all have these things happen to us. Now it's whether we pick up on them or not in this life. Cause often, you know, we're going hundred miles an hour, much like I do. So, um, but yeah, so I've seen, I've seen things like that where, and then that it, actually tying back into what you were talking about, Bill was those were entities coming in from another life. Cause now from the now perspective, um, I can actually read more into that situation or occurrence like literally right this moment I can as well and look off and see, and then I can connect to those people. And both my ears just started ringing. That happens on cue. And then there's more, and I, I can get more, I like to joke and say more to the story and see, that, oh, you were so-and-so in another, you know, not past life, it's a concurrent life because they're all happening. Um, so anyway, I don't, want, I don't want to unwind that too much, but yeah, that probably already did, didn't I? <laughs> no, uh, I love that the, we, we, got onto this topic because it actually kind of leads into the new business segment and uh to get to to start with that the new business segment i guess i'll go first because i didn't share a gratitude and so i'm kind of cheating because i'm using this for both but uh the uh my my so i guess my my contribution here is that i assembled a uh, ben saw pictures of this I, i assembled a buckwheat mattress over the weekend it's made of 205 pounds of buckwheat holes stuffed in little pods that are woven together and you lay on it. It's kind of like, this is only day number two for me, or this will be night number two. So there's still an adjustment period, right? But kind of like sleeping on the, on, on the ground a little bit, but a little bit, but way more comfortable. Um, suppose, supposedly it's supposed to help people with back issues and which I, I am of, of those, one of those people. So Hopefully uh, it works, and uh, I will report back as it as it comes along. But uh, speaking of of new business, and uh, I guess uh, concurrent lives and uh, dead people, uh, Derek Derek shared with me a, a very exciting new uh, venture uh, that I believe you're able to talk about it now. I guess I brought it up. I should have asked beforehand, but you did mention that uh, you have a tour now, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's we can talk about it because the, actually the tickets went on sale a couple hours ago. So now my polished rock and crystal jewelry and gifts and all kinds of good store up in Mount Vernon, Washington, has a new add-on to the business called Mystical Wars Haunted Tours. And our first one, so we recently, just a couple of days ago, purchased our own bus. Um, and I'm going to deck that whole thing out and get it wrapped and and things like that. But it's ready to go now already. Um, and we can take 19 people at a time, but we're going to go to, and there's going to be multiple tours, even a Sasquatch Bigfoot one, 
But the first one is the Northern State Hospital. It used to be called Northern State Mental Institution or for the mentally insane. There's lots of spins on the name, but the locals and its actual name is Northern State Hospital that shut down in the 70s. I won't get into a whole description here, but basically um, a lot of horrific stuff happened there, just like any of those places we've probably all heard stories of happened. I mean, this one kind of exceptionally even ties into uh, some MK Ultra stories and whatnot. Um, and I have some stories of that in the background, maybe for another podcast. Um, so we're going to take a tour bus of people there, um, you know, a couple times a month and get out, tour the buildings. You're going to get to go up and look inside through, depending on where we're at. Sometimes it's a window you get to look in because it's so dilapidated and, and just straight up haunted house looking or haunted hospital looking, um, not just looking, uh, that you get to experience all that and walk around and we'll give you a background. And then me, and I'll just kind of throw the terms out that most people know, being a psychic medium or energy worker, I'll be there giving the tour as well, um, given my metaphysical input. And I've been there several times and I'll just say, those that hang out there are very willing to chit chat. Um, so that happens. And then we we move on to a five minute drive away on the bus again to the farm. And here's why I want to bring that up, because that's fun and fun from the metaphysical perspective, because that's where you get to enter, I don't know, a dozen or so buildings. And by the way, everyone, all of this images, videos, description of the tour, all of it is at mysticalwares.com website right now. And you can just click the link haunted tours or there's a, a little image I put together there today up there as well, where you can read more about it because I'm going so quickly. Um, but when we get to the farm where there's those buildings, you can actually walk into and we're going to break out. Um, think of every ghost or spirit hunting device you've ever seen on any Ghostbusters show or thing. We've got them all. Um, we threw some money at it to have fun from FLIR devices to night vision to, again, ghost boxes, spirit boxes. And by the way, I have no problem getting those little guys to turn on and chime in. So we're going to break out the uh, the woo-woo trinkets I like to make fun of as well while we're up there in the farm. Um, and then, again, everybody gets to walk around and explore and ask questions. And we'll just kind of each, – each tour is going to be unique, of course. So, yeah, that's happening here. We're going to have them in conjunction with our – metaphysical slash psychic fairs that we have in store loosely every other week so basically on that saturday you can show up for the fair check it out and jump on the tour bus for it's a four-hour tour we provide a a light snacks you know lunch sort of deal with it and um yeah so it's gonna be a lot of fun that does sound like fun i i am curious though like is it ever possible to unhaunt a place like that like because i know you can clear energies and stuff like is, is that <laughs> yeah that's funny you my right ear and i always like to give this kind of the behind the scenes chit chat with someone like me um and i may be the only one that finds it interesting but who knows um and so my right ear just think high def metaphysical ear so not just the typical stuff i pick up on um, which would be the stuff around me this is like really getting my attention i'm just kind of differentiating for a reason i really hope i'm just not boring everybody um but when you said that that's what happens so that's kind of again that behind the scenes part um and i'll tell you and so basically telling me so the behind the scenes info was you know tread lightly watch what you say and you'll see why i'm saying that i don't when we go on this in fact on our tour page i just put a little notice on the bottom saying 
a little warning if you feel something let me know you know i'm not going to go through the whole spiel right now um but it is on the website and i do an arm people often call it protection i like the word armor but a protection armoring process for everyone including the bus and all of our our items with us because that's a thing too of course um the psychometry um they hold energies so yeah you can but that's not something i do i'm not someone who uh, I'm, I'm an aware energy worker that doesn't walk in choosing so i'll use this analogy i like country music uh, i'm an older guy not rap let's say and i'm not judging rap i'm just you know before my time so it's just a thing so i need an analogy here so i'm not going to walk in an environment and blast my country music or my this energy or that energy or you're a dark entity who am i to say what's spicy or a good music i'm not so i go in there give everybody again I have to work with analogy love frequency and that is a, a science thing 0.1 hertz earmuffs we can call it to, to run with this cheesy analogy um and I'm gonna go in there just ghost busting blasting the place out um now let's say I do on the inverse an entity pops in and it, ha it happened the other day starts chit-chatting with me saying hey and I'm gonna make fun of this because you know it's not a concrete way of describing it you know I'm aware and if he starts talking to me directly like conscious well then it's not just some cycled energy that's repeating or something like that um and I'm not going to expand into all that and he asked me for assistance well then I'll do it but again I don't turn in there so then I'll I'll, I'll turn on the country music for him to keep with the analogy um because he's tired of the rap so wants out but no I don't go in there and just start blasting things I'm well too aware of that um but also I am so aware and again I'll just use the term a seer if 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 something sticks to somebody somewhere I'm going to take care of that as well and if it's a negative something from you know most perspectives I'll deal with that as well so I'll just say um yeah I go into that environment not lightly and and very well equipped um, for the environment but yeah not not pushing my country music by any means if that makes sense yeah no totally um I was going to ask a question about the differences of, of ghosts and i think that you kind of alluded to it in that there's a what type of energy that just kind of recycles itself or is stuck in a loop is that what you, would you classify that as some like a or is that even a person at that point that needs help crossing over or is it just residual like uh yeah you picked up on that when i was doing yeah, i usually try and do that though so i there um uh yeah it's it's somebody just stuck in a train of thought is one is a better way of us wrapping our heads around it so it's not that they're forced to do this that and the other it's just like any of us in any moment of time <laughs> I'll just say here are these and I won't get into any specifics the last couple of days I have been stuck in a kind of a negative train of thought just experiences I've been going through and I'm having to catch myself and you know slap myself out of it go nope got to get back positive um and luckily those around me are helping but it's like that it's like being stuck or believing you're stuck and then yes then you can start thinking a cycling of energies and a repeating thing um but i have yet and I, we'll call that a ghost just for ease of conversation so i have yet and i met a whole lot of them more than probably physical people entities ghosts you know play of words depending on their awareness i have yet to meet one or perceive one that is stuck that can't be helped out of that if they want to so, so that's a little add-on again I always do for, for those that are kind of reading between the lines of what I'm saying where spirits are more again you know it's always my play of words we each have our own description um 
but a conscious entity just disincarnate that's not walking around in their meat sack we call a body anymore um no they don't chit chat they're the ones that jump in and um when i do the whole medium thing sometimes it's called um and i just chit chat with them you know i call them more so spirit guides at that point uh because they look at me they do all kinds of things they're they're not stuck in some cycle so that's a little differentiation from my perspective on them okay so so the ones that are that need help crossing over are they unable to do it themselves and this is why they need the assistance of a living person is it like is no they are able every they're always able to do it themselves it's just whether they have to become aware of that is all and nobody needs help again it's just like again nobody needs healing nobody needs a doctor we can all do it ourselves it just depends on our awareness level at the time how much we can wrap our heads around it okay they call it a miracle they call it a placebo effect whatever it's energy work we can all do it and then again you know we can all describe it different ways but that's all it really is so nobody ever needs help there's never somebody stuck i mean there's somebody just like us so i'll just say it was a bad mood i was in yeah i was stuck air quotes here in a bad mood but uh uh chill and talking to myself chill out tone it down you know hero it's not so bad a whole lot of people have other heavier dramas on them and if i can start getting that mindset so same thing with the the ghost or whatnot they don't have to sit in that um but they also often don't know that they don't have to. So, you know, that's kind of a, a what is that, catch 22? I don't know. Their awareness. Yeah, they're just not aware. I, I, I've been picking, it's something I picked up on because I'm going to talk about awareness in the third segment. But it, because it, I'm, it's all this sound is kind of sounds like purgatory. Like I grew up Catholic. So I'm thinking that uh, maybe the dead, in, 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 if I remember correctly, this is part of the economy of salvation, what they call it, the economy of salvation. There's, dead people in purgatory that haven't they're not in hell but they're not in heaven so they need help getting to heaven they'll get there eventually so oh yeah that's one of those tricks that are out there yeah apparently. Uh, and bill one of the when i've done um the psychopomp work or helping a, a spirit who is yeah stuck is is not probably the best word um i differentiate when I'm, and we'll call them a wayward spirit and I find that it is a piece of their soul essence. It's not the full soul that is on this side. It is uh, much like we've experienced a trauma that we carry around, right? And it can weigh us down. It can be something like that, where a chunk of their soul essence experienced, you know, ejected from, from the full aura and never got reattached and it's still playing out that scenario like derek was saying um and doesn't know it's it's lost and doesn't know that it's not attached right so helping those uh find their way um is is how i've looked at it you know and it is a quick conversation hey you're dead uh and the rest of you is waiting you know on the other side of that bridge so it's um that that's the way the the easiest way for me to explain it especially when it's a piece of you know part of another reading where that that piece of a soul essence of, of an ancestor of someone is hanging around them you know and they are because of that familiarity of energy 
um, and to explain it to the physical that it is not, you know, it's not all a grandma that's stuck here. It's just a little chunk and it's a, it's a energetic echo that needs to reverberate away, you know. Interesting. So that would be like the the part that's stuck here would is the part that's on repeat with the the trauma right. or whatever okay yeah but it's not it's not the full essence of of the soul you know it's just a little a little piece that got lost so it doesn't that sounds like it hap, would happen very very often like how i don't know if there's a way to answer this like how often do do we pass away and not have some type of I, or I guess is that the goal to not have any unresolved issues by the time that occurs at your time of death? Like, is that how is that how we level up or or something? Uh, good luck on that one. Having <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> unresolved issues when we pass. No, that's not. plus there's no I don't know what passing is. You're just stepping out of your vehicle anyway. Right, you don't go anywhere. Yeah, uh, and but. Uh, I do think the Western, you know, in our Western culture, we have lost that aspect um, of, you know, call it call it the shamanic tradition of of tribes or whatever it was. But there was someone um, in the community who was specifically tasked to deal with death in a doula capacity. Right. It was talking that person into the transition. And, and it's, you know, it's not just the clergy that, that was responsible for that. Um, but it seems like it sort of moved in that direction and became less of a community event. And I think, um, being at peace before you transition, um, is a big part of that. And I think our culture has lost a a big piece of that. Yeah, death was definitely dealt differently in the not so distant past uh, than we do with it today. But I love that you brought that up because that is one of the things. So we ended the last episode for those of us, for anybody that is just now joining. Uh, we ended ended the last episode with a little reading from uh, Miguel. Uh, I'm sorry, Don Miguel Ruiz from the Four Agreements. So uh, this this week's inspirational third segment is going to come from the, the second to last chapter on uh, of that book entitled uh, the path the Toltec path to freedom and at the very end of it he addresses the angel of death and the initiation something that he calls the initiation of the dead and this is something that we can use to teach us how to live in the moment right but more on that later I just I love how these topics are being brought up synchronistically based off of what I kind of had a little bit prepared beforehand yeah well and it's it's interesting with what derek was talking about earlier too with that that particular building having a lot of energetic memory walking around and interacting um with those who can perceive it you know art the way i've thought about this a lot and i've heard other people talk on it too um but the way we handle death in the west is very unnatural and i think that is partly why we do experience as many ghosts as we do we don't actually let any let them go right everybody's hanging on to all of these memories 
and these energetic echoes. And so they can build up and, and, uh, you know, you, you can get, you can get extra ghosts running around. Um, the more, I don't know, hands off and afraid we are of death. I think we sort of build it up into this thing that becomes something else of its own. Yeah, it's definitely like its own egregore, I guess you could say at the, for lack of a better term, but it is kind of like uh, death. The closer that you look at it, the the uh, more, hopefully, the more that you see that it's not actual death, right? It is just a crossing over, like you said, and yeah, start to something different. And that is kind of like, so, uh, I don't want to say that the closer you look at evil, it doesn't exist, because that statement is a big, broad, huge statement that <laughs> is, you know, takes a while to break down. But um, fear, I, 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 that is a new, uh, I guess that's something that popped into my head this week, was that fear is an irrational uh, response to, to anything, basically. So unless, you know, you're getting attacked by a tiger, then yeah, maybe it's... It, but it's 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 uh it's natural but it, when it logically it's illogical or maybe that's maybe that's what i should put it as uh, to be afraid of of anything because that that feeds our um you know those negative emotions and and it doesn't allow us to operate within the love state so uh, love is the opposite of fear so being being uh being aware of that and just it just struck me in a unique way i guess you could say i was meditating on it and realization kind of popped into my head any thoughts on that fear being illogical i don't know about i don't know if i <laughs> i'm probably often illogical on a daily basis um but no actually i think i see more as going with the flow and the more we do that the more you'll kind of you know catch the current or stream or the wave you know call it whatever you want um i think if you if any one of us um kind of looks past or tries to do our best to get past the whole worried about being illogical or or following some structured belief system because i try to that and i'm, ta I'm talking about religious i'm talking about belief system in anything the way anything works or or responds um or if there's some limit to the metaphysical for example like well that person and I'm gonna make fun of it is psychic level five, but I'm not BS. That's not a thing anyway, psychic level five, whatever I'm talking about. And everybody is everything, you know, it's just always a realization sort of deal. So um, I, again, we can get stop ourselves from getting stuck in those limitations and get out of our own way. And I've done, that's how I do it myself. Um, this reality expands more and more. Yeah, the belief system is something else that he addresses in that chapter. Is that we're that's something that we're kind of uh, handed down from uh, our parents, and it's generational, and it's not anybody's fault that that we kind of uh, we lost our our innocence and got domesticized, domesticated, domesticated with with this belief system that we grow up and learn. Right, we're not born with it. Right, we learn it, and we, it comes with a judge and a victim. The victim mentalities. What we learn to to we get addicted to right so that's something else that he don miguel addresses but um not to skip around but i am going to derek back to the the haunted mansion tour thing are you going to use any uv flashlights during the tour no that is one of the things i'm doing i have several uv 
and or for those that know them as black light ones, because there's different wavelengths um, and ones that will respond. Yeah, I've even got green laser grids and other type of devices. Actually, it's called an experimental energy device. So yes, we'll be perceiving and or viewing or listening to lots of frequencies and some are on this density or dimension and some are on other ones. Um, so yeah, the UV will pick up on a lot of stuff. Um, you know, and sometimes not such good stuff if you don't talk around about physically what you'll see in there. But yeah, we'll we'll look around with the flashlights and uh and see what there is to see there. We've used them in mystical wear store itself um at nighttime, especially they work well because they also work good on a lot of the rocks and minerals that will fluoresce under black light. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always take my black light uh flashlight with me to the uh to the gem stores. I recently uh, purchased yeah, great idea for my wife to use. We have we have a, a rocket gem collection ourselves, but we don't have anything to to fluoresce with. So I brought... take it outside too. You'll find that like possums or rats will actually fluoresce like a pink color. So you'll see them off in the distance running on things. So even in nature outside, you'll see certain insects or even certain parts of the environment will uh, surprise you every once in a while. We haven't yet to do that. I will. I'll probably do that after we get off the call here. But uh, how about, okay, you mentioned night vision goggles. And those are usually green filtered light, right? They're not filtered, but like you see in green with those right there. Correct. Usually, yeah. It is a green, um, grainy looking one, depending on the type you have. Yeah. And then also FLIR. Actually, some new aura goggles too, but go ahead. It's, uh, I've heard, so I've heard stories of when this technology was first released we'll put it that way that they used red instead of green and that the red allowed them to see a lot of scary looking things because they used it in vietnam right so there's a war going on <clears throat> probably not a lot of good energy to be seen to begin with but like, does, um, like the shade of color have it's a, okay shade color freak all same thing frequency right. and i'll tell you that's what i'm talking about too is and yes i've used the high-end millet because i'm ex-military like you mentioned high-end stuff but even there and yes we have different hues depending on um, you know, whatever PVS version they were called of night vision. But I also got, and I'm going to open up the website now so I can try and pronounce it right. And when you're talking the red hues or frequencies, not, okay, you weren't really saying this, but often people think red and or black, negative, dark, evil. Um, no, not the case. That's not a thing that doesn't correlate over an evil, negative to black. And on any level, by the way, and I'll just say that. So if somebody sees a dark entity in their closet night. Okay, well, that's just part of the entity and certain frequency coming through. I mean, I like chocolate ice cream better than vanilla. So, I mean, who said, you know, I'm having fun with it here, but you see what I'm saying to get the point across. So, well, and even that, the, the frequency you're seeing is just what's <clears throat> not being reflected. So, it's not even there a representation of what's actually there. Exactly. Yeah. So, you get it too. It's like you're part of a song. So, or yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. one so the frequency is just an interaction with the object. <clears throat> okay exactly uh so red doesn't mean bad and again you weren't saying that bill but i know that some people alluded to that maybe that's why they took him away because you saw the bad guys well what you would see would be living energy and i'll explain this in a moment or auras or biofields as we all know and these things used to be called now i'm gonna mess this up and i'm gonna spell it mine shipped two days ago to me which is here's the synchronicity bill and i, I didn't tell you about this um dick yannin okay D-I-C-Y-A-N-I-N, aura goggles. They were around in the 50s. 
They were a certain type of, think like a, a plastic film of a certain hue made a certain way. So yeah, you could, and they look like 1950s fighter pilot goggles. Anybody listening, you know, search engine it, you'll see what I'm talking about. And they're gone. You'll find some original ones for like stupid prices online, but a certain company has the recipe to make these. And they, I've had them on pre-order for a couple months. Again, I didn't tell Bill this. And they're going to be brought to and available at this place. So when you put them on, if you look at a human, you see the energy field, the aura, the biofield several inches away moving, just like at a tree or something else. So if you look at an object, uh, think psychometry, I'll just say a bunch of added energy to an object that's not part of that object's own frequency. I know I can get annoying. Then you'll see that on the object and things like that. So there's lots of uses for these. And for those online ones, you're thinking, well, I'm nowhere near Washington. So what? I have a video camera. I'll put those goggles right over that sucker. And yes, it works that way. And I can move around within these haunted, air quotes here, places, because, you know, haunted is always play words, um, energy heightened areas that often entities appear. And you'll see stuff. So we're going to be doing that. And I'll share that online. But yeah, those are those goggles, Bill, that you were talking about with the, the red film or hue. So is what's the uh, what's the theory on the frequency that you're that you're seeing? Because I know that they've you know associated like a gamma ray uh, radiation and things at um, you know ghost sites, uh, you know classical ghost sites or places where there's regular oh, emissions. Yeah, so is it something along that? Like it's in the uh, the spectrum of radiation it's detecting or seeing. Some of it is it crosses over. We all think linear, like one layer of perceiving. It's actually multiples, of course, and then there's different. Levels of that radiation is, is not a radiation on their density. It's a light or things like that. So again, I could bore and spin all our minds for an hour on that. And I don't mean in a good way. So what it is, is, uh, and we are going in there. I have Geiger counters, big old military grade ones. Um, Cause I didn't even get to all the trinkets. They're listed on our website. I'm even dowsing rods and pendulums. And I make the dowsing rods um, to FLIR camera. So this ties into everything you're asking there, Adam. What it is, is, when the entities are there, and again, I'm just saying entity for an unaware energy form would be another play of words. And they, if they're aware enough of us and they want to communicate and they start thinking about it, that heightens the frequencies in their aura or biofield and some of those transition over. And if it's an, somebody not in an angry mood, let's say, sometimes that picks up as a different energy form over here. So I can't say that this spice is this way to everybody, if that makes sense. Um, but that is what it is. So it's always a different. That's why sometimes when you have your night vision cameras, there's just a, a quick blop or a quick flash or this, or sometimes it's purple. Or it just depends on what that other entity is, energy they're focusing on at the time. Um, and then if they realize that, hey, this feeling that human can see, and if they pick up on that, then they can do it more, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, so you you can catch the stuff on film and on um, on camera, like on pictures, right? Not just video film too, right? Everything's all of it. We'll turn on all our trinkets at once, even a ghost box. And I'll just be quick and and just blunt because you know I don't really care what I look like. Um, go in there. I'll hit. I'll hold a frequency, and again, I'll just jump through that recipe, not for secrets, just for time. Um, in the room, and that allows other entities, which is how I do the whole medium thing or communication thing. And they can chat. And then all, and then we just did this at that haunted 
uh, whatever, Zach Bagan's haunted tour we talked about in Vegas. Bagan. I don't know, a week or two ago. Um, did the same thing there. And then the ghost boxes, and again, not the radio ones that jump between channels and voices, every other word, just, just static or white noise. Just turn on, because I'll... I guess I'll say I hold the other frequencies in my field, which is right there in that field of the ghost box. And so now there's more instruments played. I, I, I really wish I had a, a way of describing this stuff. It frustrates me too. Um, but that's what I do. And it's always, and I can always imagine it different ways. That's the interesting part to me is there's no one way some psychic has to imagine this first and cross their legs with yoga pose, tree frog, or, and I'm not dissing yoga, but whatever, blah, blah, blah. No, you just have to get a thought process and understanding and know it's real in your head. And the more you actually do that, and the more it becomes perceivable in the physical reality. Um, yeah, so that, that's about how I can explain that one. So yeah, ghost boxes, just straight up English, full day, uh, you know, I, uh, male and female boys actually kind of shoving each other out of the way, trying to chat over it with everybody in the room here in the clear as day. Um, not just some hazy, oh, did that say mom? Ah, my mom's, you know, no. None of that kind of stuff. It's it's just like stupid clear. Um, and once you again go at it and have a countless of those experiences, it's just a thing. And as you realize it, then it becomes more of your reality and happens more often, just like the breadcrumbs or synchronicities. Um, so anyway. So as far as the trinkets go, like is there any anyone, any frequency, uh, maybe a UV frequency that would repel anything that would be uh, not in alignment? uh yeah a lot of things will and i'll always bring shungite with me it's not the only energy tool that everything's an energy tool a rock a crystal piece of mineral whatever it is um or you know your old crucifix or your whatever whatever there's lots of things that hold a lot of frequency so yes if something's been focused on over the years in a in in a good way around you so you thought of let's say grandma passed on and you had this thing that you always think about okay but that has a whole bunch of love energy on it that is now has that love frequency around it. Bring that with you to a haunted place where there's some entities out of alignment with you. Yes, that would be seen as a repellent because it's a frequency thing. Um, that's not to say that I, I have to make fun of it. Some really strong, and you know, we'll say muscles or energy, muscle-bound en entity in there doesn't want to maybe have an effect on your, your trinket or widget. Well, that's a thing too. And that may be a whole other podcast. So then the energy, the, the trinket owner needs to always be aware of that stuff. Um, that's why some of these things like Zach's Museum are, again, what they call possessed or haunted. Because, I mean, yeah, you could actually say that on a lot of them. Um, but yeah, Shungite, uh, back to your actual question. Shungite would be the best for, because the grounds are earth. So it's not even as blasting a frequency. It's not that, ooh, magic Shungite, magic black rock does everything. No. What it does is moves orgone, and talking science here, moves orgone energy or living energy. Okay. Living energy. Clue there. So keeps stuff moving. It makes stuff hard to attach to you, to hang on to you. You can loosely call it what we call earthing and grounding. Um, and just reset in your biofield. And again, it's not a magic yoga pose or a, a mountain you got to climb. It's a thought you have to have and then get in the right environment. And Shungite's one of those or go hug a tree. I mean, that's saying, and I'm not making fun of it. That's a legit thing. That's a whole electron exchange happening there. That's great too. Um, but yeah, Shungite would be my go-to. And I actually tumble it in silver for a whole, and I'm 
take half an hour to get in that so i won't but i do tumble it in silver for a reason and that's the cosmic silver shungite um and we just i don't know how many chiropractors and energy workers we have coming in all the time now bringing the patients in for that because they do what they call muscle testing of course you know i'm going to say energy testing and things like that and it's all legit um and they don't know what they have i put the little cosmic which i had a piece in right here cosmic silver shungite in their hand and it just it just goes crazy from there as far as um helping people restore their own biofield they heal themselves is what happens uh, and then in what you were asking if you're in an environment out of alignment with you so i'll just say a negative entity no nah, they're not going to get near you they're going to get somebody over in the other group that's in a pissy mood walking around you know like attracts like hey derek <clears throat> if it's a secret recipe you don't, you don't have to mention it but what's up with tumbling it in the silver and i ask because oh, i've been carrying a, a small slab of shungite in my pocket for a couple years now and about a year ago i went and bought a uh, liberty silver dollar and carry them together in the same pocket and there's a bunch of silver rubbing off onto the shungite right it does the silver actually um it's called migration in physics which is why they don't use pure silver or gold on circuitry anymore because it'll migrate along energies so yeah and i want again i always like to make a bad joke i'm not going to bore you with everything here but it, no and there's no secret recipes i'll get into what i was saying was going to take a while but it won't i'll go quickly um no i believe in sharing everything i have no secrets and so what it is and i'm probably the only fool on the planet in fact i'm about positive who does this so i kind of go reverse i take a rock tumbler for those who don't know just a, a, a rock tumbler you put rocks and things in there sometimes a tumbling medium sands and grits and stuff to polish the rocks to refine shine often or whatever level you want um in my case and I'll tell you, I'm an organic beekeeper for a reason. And there's a reason I'm saying this. Bees, honeycomb, of course, has hexagon cells, little six-sided cells. And that's not random. The bees have been around for a while. They know what they're doing. Think sacred geometry, platonic solids. They kind of know how to make a little energy chamber device. Well, my rock tumbler is hexagon shaped. I take that. I use no other tumbling medium except for, and I have this on video on the website somewhere showing you me actually doing it, hundreds and hundreds of little tiny silver bars, sometimes silver coins, but only pure silver in there as the tumbling medium. And it's many, many, many thousands of dollars. That's why I say I'm crazy enough to do it. But if you're going to make the good stuff, you, you can't, you have assets, you can't chintz. So it takes pure silver and it does get eaten up, by the way, just like you were mentioning, Ben, you're coin does as well that silver will literally if it's touching the shungite and i have this under microscope too i have a high-end um high-def digital microscope and i do some dark field stuff as well showing this and oh it's already on the website um somewhere mysticalwares.com showing the silver does migrate <laughs> onto the shungite and i'm laughing because i actually have a video my microscope has high-def video built in where i'll do my woo woo i'll make fun of it energy zapping at it and different and i do this for different um things under the microscope some of them light up i actually ordered graphene from a university and had it sent in recorded me opening the package and all this put in the microscope zapped it with i'll just say frequencies or etheric energy love and that stuff started sparking on video and all kinds of crazy stuff um and i'll get maybe that's for later too but on the cosmic silver shungite 
I add those hundreds of little pieces of silver, tumble it for three days, and there is something to the number three, just a cohesive, you know, we, there's been lots of podcasts on that, and there is something to that. So after that, there goes my ear ringing again. After the three days of tumbling, we take it out, and then again, I reference the images online. I zoom in on a microscope, and there's just a, a, a subtle silver sheen all over the regular, not elite shungite that I tumble for those three days. And again, it migrates inside, and we've broken it open. I've lit it up with torches. I do all kinds of crazy experiments um, in my office. And I, again, I put all the videos online. Um, and then that now added a, again, it's not a science word for it. So I call it a biocompatible frequency. It's like an extra strength shungite. And I've done, I don't know how many tests with, um, again, and some of them are famous, these chiropractors and sometimes energy workers. But I like to, because people like certain, you know, doctorates, this, that, and the other. Um, so I'll bring those guys in and they'll, they won't know what they have and do the test. And, and I don't know what I'm talking about because I'm not a doctor in any level, but something about they'll hold, he'll do an example. Um, I'll try to remember Carl, Carl Jestrup. Oh, geez, I'm going to butcher his name. Um, but in Renton, Washington, long story short, the people's evidently each of our legs, one is not as long as the other. There's some kind of something going on there. Okay. So you hold that shungai, the cosmic solar shungai, and it lengthens right there on the spot, by the way, and can be measurable. Um, and we, we don't preempt the patient saying, look, your left leg is two inches short, and this magic black rock is going to make you even out. No, you don't get into all that. Um, but you do give you the rock and see it, and you get the experiments. So we've had them in on classes, on videos. Some of that's on our, I think, Mystical Wears YouTube channel. Actually, that same doctor um, doing it. So extra strength shungai that that really affects a person's healing healing themselves capability. And again, it's it's always how do you spin the words to get the understanding? It's the it's the strongest version of shungai that a person can use to help heal themselves, um, and that's what it's used for. Okay, so the silver basically is amplifying working as an amplifier for the shunga it does and i have studies on this by the way that i did not meet in my garage doing some study and actually in the next two days i'm gonna have these up on the website under shungai faq page i found 50 five zero because these keep disappearing from the internet by the way studies on shungites noc60 molecules being used on everything from cucumbers to to boars to rats to um being used with silver in combination for healing. Um, I like to call them because the C60 molecule is the shape of a buckyball or a soccer ball. So, and it's an energy tool, not just a physical one that has to be remembered. Um, and then because of that, and they blended it with silver scientists. And this is a study from a university or a, you know, a journal. It's, it's all, I got the actual study, not just me telling you about it. And a lot of them are out there now, by the way. And what I was saying was a lot of these keep disappearing from the internet. So I actually paid for a bunch of, um, I don't know what they were called, publishing sites and journals, online accounts where I can get access to these studies. And I'm downloading the PDFs and storing them on my own server. And I've printed them because actually, and this is one of the podcasts, some of these have disappeared from my server. And I don't even know how to explain that. Um, and the link on my website disappeared. But regardless, I've got printouts now. Um, so I don't quite know how those are going to disappear. And and others, and I'll provide these online showing where Shungite and Silver is being used by medical doctors and physicists to boost healing from everything from leukemia to uh, oh my gosh, I can go on um liver liver cancers. I don't remember the name, Carcia, 
again, I'm, I'm not a doctor, Carson, something or other, um, lots of things. And again, these are all studies, not, not just, you know, people's personal stories. So a great healing tool. So is there a, like a, an area of effect that a certain size would have? And I guess I'm comparing this to electroculture because I did I did read that a six foot antenna built with copper tubing would cover about 225 square feet. Now, does that is there any kind of translation to like a X amount heavy chunk of shungite would affect, you know, a small living room or whatever, right? Um. No, the answer is no, because a piece, a small piece, uh, the size of your fingernail is not air quotes here, stronger than a big old chunk. And I know they have the biggest chunks available anywhere. Um, I get them straight from the mine. Nobody, so I got the biggest ones there are. And I, I make fun of it all the time. I'm like, even in the store, I say, I'm not going to try and sell you this huge old piece when this little, and they're a dollar. In fact, we give them away free all the time. I'll talk people out of it because I want, it's all about the understanding. And energetically, I know if I stay honest like that. Some will buy some other trinket from me to help me pay the bills. So that's why I stay so painfully honest. But the answer is no. You don't need five pounds. And I've heard it all. Five pounds or this many ounces of Shungite to water for three days under this, that, and blah, 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 blah. No, it's an energy tool. It's a frequency. Time does not exist. So remove the time factor from your recipe, whoever's talking Shungite. And then it's energy it's not volume you and you're not saying this but you don't need five pounds four ounces or whatever the number is of shungite to have an effect energetically that's not a thing i mean do you need a a bigger hug from your grandma to feel the love ah come on no we all know that and of course i'm making fun of this no so as long as the energy worker has the right understanding and doesn't go into it thinking nah so-and-so shungai master said i needed this much for this well then have fun with that that's called a belief system all right enjoy i'm not a real patient guy so i don't i don't limit myself to that stuff you know again i'm mocking this and having fun with it but if we come at our reality that way then we're not hindered and we get out of our own way by these limitations so no a little tiny piece of shungai in your pocket is just as strong as a big old whatever beat it around your neck as long as you don't limit yourself. Now, the uh, that's uh, that's the volume or sound, let's say, the effect. But now you can add on instruments. Again, tough thing to talk about um, by doing the silver. So then affect more frequencies. So if that makes sense. Again, it's a difficult thing to talk about. Um, it's like trying to speak electricity, talking amps, watts, volts. Right. Anyway, yeah. So would then that same little chunk uh, as opposed to a big, big chunk, have a, a beneficial effect on like a whole field of crops, even though it's just a one little tiny little guy. Yeah, it's, it's called quantum entanglement. Of course, that little guy is has the same frequency. It's just like copying a song um, from a big computer onto a USB drive. Makes no difference. The song's going to be the same. So now again, we're past the the size thing. I know you already passed that. So now, as far as it having an effect. It's energy, it's frequency. It's not limited by space and time. So if we start, and you, again, you weren't doing that, but if we start thinking, well, then we need a chunk every two inches. All right, well, then you're going to spend a whole lot of energy called money in buying a whole hell of a lot of chunks. I would be that aware energy worker and know that, oh, no, 
I've got enough love for this. Let's go the whole crowd of people rather than one. Because, you know, that's a thing too. A performer doesn't have to individually look at every single person. And I, you know, I have to have weird descriptions for this. So, and I'm going to pause that odd analogy and just say, as long as the person putting the piece of Shanghai in the energy field, because everything has its own energy field. I don't care if it's a car, a spatula on your counter, or your garden has a collective energy field. Yeah, every plant does as well, but a, a, a chorus of its own. You, As long as you have the understanding, you're entering that little love instrument, let's call Shanghai that, into that overall band playing. Oh, I'm so horrible. And they're having to do this on the fly, people. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, then it, it will have an effect on that. So again, it's your awareness level. Or throw it under that one plant in the far north corner. It's going to affect the one plant. No, it can affect it all. Again, just be aware that you're affecting the whole garden. Put it in the field. It'll. And by the way, it affects glyphosate. Scientific fact, which is Roundup weed killer. And rad particles, which is radiation, of course. Spread shungite in there. And it straight up has an effect, and uh, on the on the molecules, the molecular structure breaks them up. Um, and the same thing when it's ingested, uh, the carbon sixty molecule does on what's called free radicals, which is why it's curing cancers in every animal they feed it to. Um, this, is, this is unique. That frequency is unique just for shungai. Like I can't put a hunk of amethyst out there and expect the same results, right? No, and amethyst is crystalline, of course, so that holds a frequency. It's programmable. Shungai is not programmable. You can add something to it like I do with silver. And like I said, add an instrument to the, the band, but you're not going to change it. Where a crystal, I, I pull straight up color out of crystals all the time and rocks sometimes. Like a green rock will be gray or hazy or whatever. Uh, a smoky quartz crystal will go stupid clear. And not just, oh, it's a little bit shade lighter. You can see through the thing. And right. I do, and I'm not the only one. There's no way I don't, I don't know what it'd be called. Somebody out there listening, you know, send us a message, tell me what that's called. And others got to be doing it. Um, but no, that can be done. So that's reprogrammable if you say amethyst. So, and then that, that would not apply to Shungite then. Shungite has like a set frequency that it's working, putting out all the time then, right? Because it's not a crystal. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't have a, 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 a bad joke for it, but it's uh, like a, an old floppy disk that is, yeah, I'm an old guy, that can't be uh, formatted. You flip the little button on it. I forget that was even called. But non-formatable. Yeah, so Shungite cannot be formatted. Um, so it stays, holds the same frequency. I've never seen well, it. Well, it more like it's channeling a frequency then? Ah, good for you. you yes, know, it does. Like, like in the idea that uh, when you have an electric motor, you have that little chunk of graphite that runs up against the motor. And it's highly conductive, highly electrical. But if you wanted to make like an antenna out of it, you couldn't, it wouldn't, it doesn't, you know, resonate and accept mm -hmm. radio signals well. But if you throw some metal on the outside of it, now you have these two beautiful things kind of working together. And think orgone device when you add the metal. So when you orgone or organite, you know, depending on how you want to word it, but that's too, once you add, start adding those metals on top of organic carbon, C60 molecule, shungite, same thing. On those, you start layering them and then, hey, put it in your hand. There's another layer of the organite device that hasn't been talked about. That can be one. Now you've got those three, and it's more layers than three, because again, I, I've hyperanalyzed shungite under microscopes. There's a lot going on in there. Um, but yeah, hold that piece of cosmic silver shungite in your hand. Again, your hand is another layer of the orgon device. And then use your imagination. There's my ear again. Imagination and feelings. And then that's your tuner. And then have fun with it. Get creative. I mean, it's, it's, uh, the limits are limitless. Um, 
So yeah, but it does do that. Doing uh, that's why I say grounding or earthing. It just continues that energy frequency. Um, and that's why I sometimes said it gets rid of negative or or you know heavy energy. So it sounds like that doing anything electroculture based, which is what I was explaining about earlier, putting the stake of wood in the ground wrapped in copper wire, that's just basically an organized device then, right? Because we've got the it's wood, which 100% is... 100% one, if that's what you do. Yeah, we make them. They're sometimes called cloud busters. I've made them for years. I make little handheld ones. You can hold your hand embedded in sometimes resin, often organic beeswax is how I prefer it, with different shungite and crystal and stuff going on in this recipe we can call it an orgone device and it's layered um and that's again the whole story behind that but yeah when you're doing these rods and the six foot ones yeah i mean there's something to that when you're out there if you're trying to get i know it's i was just in a whole spiel about volume and length and all that um but the if you're trying to do a a, a larger area out there like a large garden um the larger copper rods you got to get the whole wilhelm reich stuff and uh um and then other scientists you guys know about that um to get into specific on that but it does have an issue um and i've made those but now depending on what you're trying to do with your garden if you're trying to move that physical stuff like the rad parts and glyphosate well then no walk around with a uh container of shungite so get a salt shaker an empty one fill it with shungite powder every little particle doesn't have to touch and, and so, so i'll just explain that to everybody walk around and if you feel shaking that shungite out of that salt shaker a little more in this area that area yeah do that it's called clearing it's called smudging it's called a lot of things you're moving the energies that's what i would do to help on the physical level for the again rad particles the glyphosates roundup energetically that's when we we're talking about that one piece because then it's a frequency thing but if you have a bunch of frequency rad particles radiation well then that's when i said use your intuition and shake that shungite powder over there so it really depends on your environment I did do that actually a few a few years ago, maybe two years ago. I walked around the property with some shungite, like it was pulverized powder that I got from Derek. We've got about five acres, mostly woods out here, and I spread it. Me and my wife spread it all around, and just you know, it's been a few years. But uh, I was wondering, once you do that, because they're so fine, like they'll eventually disperse, and then you've got we're in Michigan, so you know lots of precipitation and road salt is is the road salt that's coming off the road going to not cancel out like salt how what is the interaction between salt and shungite? I guess is my question similar to crystals and shungite salt's programmable anything crystalline is in short, and they respond differently um but okay, so in that case. If you so your property, let's say, borders a highway or a street, whatever, where they do the salt and gets you know snow powered off, I would probably every year sprinkle again, not a huge amount, but salt walk through that area and shake some more salt or shungite over that. Um, because you know, it's not that ooh, there's bad guys hanging on salt particles in your ditch or something like that. It's just that, yes, that salt, depending on where it came from and whether it was reset or not, has a frequency. We don't think about that where we drink our bottled water. Well, it came from A to B, sometimes through this environment or even hyper-focused down to the pissed-off truck driver who had a bad mood or blah, 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 and this happened. He's driving around in angry frequency. Well, yeah, that's going to affect your 
water bottle if he's driving in the back. So anyway, back to the salt, same thing there. I don't know where that salt was taken. I'm not saying it's all negative and be scared. I'm saying, hey, it's a reprogrammable thing. Or walk out there with salt either way, have love energy. You don't have the cheesy thought in your head. This is love frequency. And when I'm dropping these little butterflies, you know, have fun with it in your head, whatever you want to do. But have that positive thought or feeling when you're doing it without the shungai powder or adding more salt to that, that strip we're, you know, talking about maybe near your property. You'll reset it all. You'll clear it. And that's, again, how you clear heavy energies and places. The bigger energy wins. That's just how, And that's even in memories and dreams. Um, or bad. That's why bad memories and good memories seat so well in us because we have big emotion tied to them. Where other memories, energies, songs we've heard, don't get repeated or accessible as easy because there's not emotion behind them as much. And that's what really seats them. So then I'm telling you, get imaginative and emotional, not cry, but emotional like, hell yeah, this is working. My magic shungai powder, I'm spritzing on my ground. And then, yes, it does. That's how it really goes. You're getting all, all energy layers involved. Um, so then, yeah, I would redo it. So it sounds like that would be like, a, that's an example of keeping up with uh, or being aware of outside influences that could affect, like if you have a trinket, like a cross we were talking about earlier, or like whatever widget that you carry that is some kind of property that you're trying to maintain. That would be like the salt would be an example like since we're taking care of the land, right? In this case, mm -hmm. make the analogy. It would called etheric hygiene. Yeah, because you, of course, we take, and I'll use the, the the example back on us. We take for physical showers or baths every day, every other day, something like that for our physical bodies, the stuff that gets on us. But we're not taught etheric hygiene. Ask a scientist or a physicist; they'll tell you you're ten percent physical, ninety percent metaphysical, but you're not taught how to etheric. I'll call it etheric hygiene. You know, take care. At best, we're taught go hug that tree or chill out for a while or have a drink. Blah blah. blah. That's the best we're taught. No, that's your emotion. That's why I get into that whole armoring process and stuff. Um, no, I won't get it right now, but it does matter. Um, and that's yes. You're, so you're doing the etheric hygiene of the land. You don't just pull the weeds. You gotta you gotta do the energy. And energies change. Driving down the road, you know. There's and I'm not saying ooh, every car is a negative energy. No, but there's again, I hate the word just energy because how vague is that. Yes, different energies entering that environment, and some of them are out of alignment. So I'd clean up that area, however, however you you feel you need to. Well, that's the way you're talking with the salt, especially. Um, it's just talk about synchronicity. Um, I use salt a lot to uh, clear energy and recharge. Um, a lot of the pocket stones I work with and it occurred to me a while back that salt being crystalline and programmable to to do that um I will say an incantation I suppose maybe um prayer would be another way to do that but bless salt in in a way so it is um it brightens the energy let's say um or lightens it up a little bit and when i started doing that and working with um other practitioners and you know getting some feedback on the idea kind of came up with the idea of doing it as you're going by the county maintenance buildings that have the big pile of highway salt 
and just letting that highway salt work for the collective in that way too so i'm pretty sure i did that when i came up and visited you guys bill so awesome. i wouldn't worry about it too much you know i think I, there was i think there was a story in the news about uh, them salting the boston or new york or something they had blessed it like a priest or somebody had blessed it for some reason i don't know oh really cool yeah I don't know. maybe i'll dig it out or not but uh did, did Ben? Did you have anything for new the new business segment or Adam? I have a little something, but not anything spectacular. Before we get to the uh, the third segment for new business, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm can't think of anything offhand. Well, last time Adam was on the show, we talked about uh, Chat GPT and uh, AI. And I had I had never used it before. I was kind of hesitant to. So Adam graciously uh, took me aside after the show, and we had a little conversation. And uh, I tried ChatGPT, and I just wanted to uh, report back that it's not anything like it's not AI is going to take over the world. It's not any it's anything scary, but it is super freaking useful in that you can it's it'll take the place of Google. It takes uh, your search results and just gives you the answers so uh, adam has was sharing with me that he used it for a recipe which is where we got the title for one of the last episodes uh beans of light and meatloaf he he made ai meatloaf recipe but uh so instead of just like searching for meatloaf recipe and then going through all the results and picking out your best one you can you know modify it and ask it to remove certain things and take add things and whatnot so uh, what I used it for was I asked it for the uh, the top 20 f- highest foods and protein that don't come from meat. And it, it gave me a list, but it only spit out, and I didn't create an account or anything, so it's probably my fault, but it only spit out like uh, seven or eight items on the list at once. And then I had to prompt it again and ask it like what else. And then it would spit it out the next few, and sometimes it would repeat. So... Uh, it does have some work to do. It's definitely not anywhere close to uh, taking over the world. But uh, yeah, Adam, I just wanted to thank you for for uh, introducing me to oh, website was that chat uh, chat GPT. Yeah, just uh, go to openai.com and go to their chat. So yeah, I use it for everything. I'm right now learning Unity. I'm getting into uh, trying to teach myself. Uh, how to uh, make video games, specifically on the audio end. It's where I'm really interested at least getting into it, and I'm involved in a project. And yeah, just the learning and the tools and the usefulness, and even things like what questions should I be asking? In other words, in other situations, what other questions have other people asked? And it kind of goes out there, brings me back to these things. I'm like, oh, those are things I need to know I didn't need to know. So yeah, I, I love it as a tool. Uh, it's, it, to me, it's like a powerful calculator just on reorganizing information. Not a right answer, not a wrong answer. If you type the wrong equation into the calculator, you know, doesn't mean that the math is wrong. It just means that you didn't know what you were doing. Yeah, check it out. Interesting, huh? Yeah, I think somebody just launched a rival uh, AI chat thing. I think it might have been Elon, but 
outside. Well, and this is going to become more ubiquitous. Look at any technology, you know, where whether it's in encryption or coding or just basic internet protocols or search engines, just the way that we do things, eventually everybody kind of homogenizes. And yeah, once people kind of figure out how this stuff works and is structured and that becomes old news, um, it's going to be powerful. Where I see the real power is just on my own data. You know, if I have something that I can structure for my own data and search my own data, and it just has the ability to go and do its own transcriptions and pull from anything that I've ever written or thought, and then I go and think of my head, I'm like, oh, what was that video on this? I actually might be able to search exactly through my own database, through my own things, and find things super, super quick. And, you know, uh, the other cool thing that they've done is they're now integrating APIs and keys that are going to make this thing insanely powerful. So that let's say there's some system, some equation, some database that would actually have the real engineering answers. You can now have an API where ChatGPT, if it can't find the answer, will then go into somebody else's database and pull this information out. So yeah, it'll be kind of like in the early days of the uh, the web when everybody was you know connecting and you finally got to see old newspapers and then you got to start really getting all this research. And I think it's going to kind of do that same thing. So I'm not scared you know no it's not scary it's it's exciting but it is it kind of does make one wonder like what is the actual level of technology that hasn't been released like well in that and it's super dangerous because if you rely on these technologies they're bad so i'm on the edge of it still it's kind of like if you have a car people don't um look to put their turn signal on because their car tells them when a car is next to them automatically like you don't have to look, you don't remember your phone number because you don't have to. So that's really going to be, you know, the edge here. Is it powerful like a calculator and people forgot how to do written math and it doesn't matter? Or, you know, do we start allowing it to make decisions on our lives and how we do things? Because we're already doing all that, whether people realize it or not, we are controlled by the machines. If you're following around your GPS, this thing is dictating the movement, the traffic, the flow. And this has been going on for so many decades. Traffic lights are us sitting and obeying the machines. Obey. So, yeah, we're, we're, I, I'm already, my mindsets were so deep. I'm sitting here talking through electronics with wires hooked up to my head. So the machines have won. We're we're uh, we're in the matrix, but we're not of the matrix. The simulated matrix that we're in. Speaking of, I mean, it is a dream, and this ties very well into the Toltec, uh, the ancient Toltec wisdom viewpoint of the world dream. I believe he's, he calls it. Uh, Don Miguel refers to it as a metote. I didn't write that because it's, I didn't write that down because it's not in the chapter I went over. That's in the beginning of the book. But so there's this world dream and the uh, the world dream is something that we kind of uh, is forced upon us. And then there's the dream that we make that are for ourselves. And he actually calls this the awareness or of the uh, second dream or the. Let me get this real quick. Uh, awareness of the awareness of this second of the second attention i'm sorry so uh the awareness of the dream of the first attention is is the uh, is the world dream right this metote and then we have our own personal ones and once we are aware 
that there is a distinction here, then we can we can create heaven on earth. We can uh, change the uh, change our trajectory, right? Because we realize that we're no longer a victim and we're in control, and that makes us a warrior. But I'm getting a little off topic because not <laughs> it's not where the the uh, the chapter starts. It actually starts uh, with a discussion on freedom. So uh, freedom uh, is something that Adam and I kind of touched on. Uh, pretty heavily on 13 questions and, and the, the idea of sovereignty and like, what does that mean? Right. Wouldn't you agree, Adam? Is it just yeah. something that we talked about, right? Yeah. Freedom is a thing. Yeah. Sorry. I just had to take a drink there, but, uh, Don, Don Miguel says that freedom has to do with the human spirit. And I'm just reading off my notes here, guys. So please feel free to jump in and, uh, interrupt me it's, it's not really anything that's super super laid out so uh, please feel free to jump in so he says that freedom has to do with the human spirit and uh, freedom is, is freedom means to be the, the ability to be who we really are right so uh, we can't blame anybody but ourselves from keeping us from being free so we like we like to play the blame game and this is part of the belief system which, that comes with being a victim right so instead of blaming anybody we're gonna the buck stops with us right so we're taking responsibility and so and then he goes on to uh give the example of children as as a free as what a free human looks like he calls them the wild because you know you look at a child two to three years old Usually they're they're smiling, they're happy, they're exploring the world, they're not really thinking about the past or the future, and they're generally carefree, right? And they're only living in the present. So this is this is kind of the state in which we should sh strive for, but uh, minus the innocence, right? Now because we're not we're not children anymore. We're we're men or adults, so we uh, we have wisdom to apply and. This helps us reach back to the state. So, so because because we find ourselves um, kind of domesticated like this, um, the question arises: like, how did we, how did we get domestic? How did we go from wild to domesticated? And with the warrior mentality, this is a completely a normal happening, right? This is, I guess, been around since the Toltecs, right? So, a pretty long time. <laughs> And uh, the victim, the victim would say that this this happening is a sad thing. He would qualify it as sad, and he would play the poor me card, right? So, <clears throat> I mean, it could be as simple as us living in a building, Bill. You know, look at what happens to a pig when you domesticate it. You know, take away the fences and the support, and all of a sudden, it's something different. So, yeah, uh, it could just be our lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, speaking of architecture, I mean, architect architectures meant good architectures meant to, to inspire men. I mean, it's supposed to be beautiful and, and to speak to the creator within themselves that lives in, within all of us. And you don't, we don't see the architecture anymore. It's all boxy windows and glass, and there's there's no arches. There's no uh, old, you know, all the old world technology that pulls ether out of the atmosphere is gone. It's destroyed, and we're, we're left with ugly looking skyscrapers, which are depressing right anyway <laughs> so yeah we 
these these belief systems um like i've said before he goes on to say that uh, we we inherit these from generation to generation and it comes with a judge and a victim right we're our own worst critics we're always judging ourselves and we're playing the victim cards well not the hypothetically right <laughs> i'm not trying to say this specific group of people obviously but uh so in order to get rid of the victim right the first step is to become aware that there is this world dream that we're kind of um, caught up in and so what this awareness allows us to do is to rebel and this is the uh, the opportunity to stop and to say that this is enough of choosing to suffer in the world dream and now we're going to take control take back control of it and refocus and create our own personal dreams or our own manifestations right which we use our imagination to do but he does go he does give three masteries that toltecs um, must use to to become a complete human being i guess and uh that's not his words but basically the point and three masteries are the masteries of awareness the mastery of transformation and the mastery of intent and he goes on to explain that intent is basically god uh, intent is love so is this, the third mastery is the mastery of love which makes sense right so we've got this we've got this parasite in our mind with this belief system with this judge and its victim and it's making us sick it's making us domesticated and the food for this parasite are fear-based emotions it's the negative emotions and uh he goes on to say that the in all shamanic tra traditions uh, they frame warriors as humans that are rebelling against this parasite so warriors transcend the dream of the planet which is influenced by the parasite and we transform change our our you know we change it with our personal dream and that's how we create heaven so that's what we call heaven right and then he gives three ways to kill a parasite which i thought was really interesting so i'll share them here after i take a drink if anybody else has any thoughts uh, feel free great three ways to kill a parasite uh, is facing every fear one-on-one -on -one, right so every think of every uh, fear as a the head of a hydra right so chop off the head of each fear one by one kind of takes a while right but it gets the job done and then the the second way to kill a parasite is to stop feeding the parasite and then the third way to get rid of this parasite from your mind is called the initiation of the dead which we'll get to at the end here but the first the first step uh as we've said to master is awareness of realizing that we have this world dream and this the awareness of the second dream that so basically once we're aware the first dream exists we can create the second dream this is the awareness of the second dream and the difference is that we're no longer children at this point when we make this decision when we come to this realization we're now we're not innocent anymore we have this decision to make which requires wisdom right and then the the second second step to 
So that's the awareness is the first step, and the second step is to inventory all of our uh, fear-based agreements and transform them. And we reprogram, we excuse me, reprogram them. We transform them using the four agreements, which we'll get into in later episodes. It's a super short book, by the way. So anybody, um, I would highly recommend it to anybody. It's very, very short comparatively, in my in my opinion. So, and then he gives this uh, super interesting um, analogy for for uh, using the agreements that he calls them um, that when we adopt them that we go to war it's a declaration of war and we go into the desert to meet our demons and it is there in the desert that our demons are transformed into our angels and they are there to help us instead of hurt us right so i thought that was a pretty cool analogy And then the last two sections of the the chapter uh, has to deal with the discipline of the warrior, and then the last is the initiation of the dead. And the base, the two points I wanted to pull out of the discipline of the warrior is that uh, he mentions the uh, that forgiveness is is key, and the reason to forgive isn't because the person whom you have perceived as wronged you deserves forgiveness. We forgive others because we love ourselves so much that we don't want to keep ourselves in that suffering pattern and uh, keep paying for the in, that injustice right so the way the idea is that we love ourselves so much that we forgive others so that we can heal our own wounds right and that takes time obviously um, and you'll know that the healing is complete because well you, you won't have a negative reaction to whatever it was that you healed when it pops up again right I would add to that, Bill, um, in learning how to forgive others, you learn how to forgive yourself, right? So in healing that wound, that perceived wound from someone else, you're healing it within your own sphere as well. Yeah, it's a two-way street. When one forgives, two people are affected, right? Yourself and the other person. On an energetic level, with, with if you know if they're aware of it, I guess I guess it isn't. Time doesn't exist either, so I can't say that. But uh, um, the only other aspect of the, as far as the discipline of a warrior that uh, stuck out to me that he points out is is basically stoicism, and I'm a huge fan of stoicism. Not because I studied philosophy uh, in in college, I didn't even know about stoicism until after I got out of college. But it is a, a school of uh, philosophic thought which kind of uh, emphasizes the control of one's emotions and when people think of a stoic person they think of somebody that has no emotions but that is as far from the truth as possible <laughs> uh, stoicism is about um, expressing your your emotions at the right place and at the right time and it's not about repressing your emotions so it's learning how to deal with with these things in a healthy manner and uh, of course, that also uh, takes some practice. But uh, the the third um, way to kill a the parasite in our mind that he gives us is what he calls the initiation of the dead, which also reminded me of a Stoic. I don't know if it's Stoic, but it's certainly a, a Western, more Western philosophical idea of momentum mori, which is remembering that eventually that you will die, which doesn't really sound like 
a very good thing to think about every day when you wake up, right? You want to think of this is the best day ever, and I'm gonna, you know, carpe diem, right? But uh, with with the so the idea behind this uh, initiation of the dead is to um, keep us living in the present. So we let we let the past be the past, and the the angel of death we let that take take that away, and uh, and uh, being choosing to be uh, joyful because. Um, that's beside the past i mean it's helpful that that happens but uh, the the main point is uh realizing that everything is temporary right and we have two choices at this point we can either be sad and suffer which suffering is totally a choice or we can be joyful about it and and be happy and, and you know celebrate and being being joy there's a difference between joyfulness and happiness so i believe that you can have joy without being happy which sounds weird but does that make sense to anybody else but me? <laughs> it makes perfect sense, Bill. And looking like the memento mori, um, you know, realizing uh, that that you will die. I I look at that and um, seizing the day as going hand in hand, right? It's kind of uh, um sitting bull or not sitting bull, crazy horse right it's a good day to die right and that means you lived yesterday to its fullest and you're planning on living today to its fullest and you can die happy knowing that you're doing so yeah it's definitely uh that ties right into one of the agreements of doing your best which is the fourth one that he covers and which is i guess the one that we'll talk about the next episode but the uh, the analogy that he gave about being out in the desert made me think of you, Ben, because I know that you've spent a lot of time out in the desert. <laughs> oh yeah, and getting that is a spectacular place to get to know your demons, and um, that's it's it's funny. He said they they changed to angels. Um, I'd I'd forgotten about that, and it is uh, it's. It's an accurate way to look at it too, you know, um, having your demon become a helper and so to speak, um, it's sort of a, a permaculture idea that the problem is the solution, you know, so you can, um, get to know that demon well enough that the problem's not a problem anymore. And isn't even the term demon like kind of like a Hollywood term? I think it was. Yeah, like, for sure. Greek day. Uh, Pl Plato referred to his daemon. Yeah, and that's another way to say higher self. Right? So, um, assigning a, a negative or positive to it is entirely up to you. Right. Which, which goes into the, which, which which makes me think of the whole moral relativism, like slippy, like morality and ethics. I think I have learned that uh, those are very two uh, subjective areas when it comes to objective uh, ideas. And 
philosophy it, it can can be accomplished without addressing those areas specifically because they they have to do with the context in which the society is living right so if uh, you know a society of cannibals is is going to have different morals than a society of not cannibals so that 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 is a very interesting topic in itself but uh back to the death thing um i think that uh just being around somebody i don't know if you if, if anybody's ever uh, been been close with somebody that has passed and been in, in the same room or in the same house but or spent time with them uh, leading up to that moment but it is kind of a uh, sobering and in, in in the truest it can be i mean if you're you're aware and thinking about these things in the truest sense of the form it really brings home the uh the temporality <laughs> of things because once we die we're out of time or it's time anyway there's a pun there you're supposed to laugh <laughs> <laughs> um, well i was i was just muted <laughs> um so yeah um speaking of that i guess i'll I'll ask this um kind of random question as we wrap up uh for for derek uh, and regarding dead people and and um, people have passed on and capturing them on film i remember this one christmas derek i was with um uh another lady i was dating at the time and we were celebrating at her house and they were taking pictures and i remember looking at the pictures later and there were orbs all over all over the house and there was this one picture where there was an orb right behind my head or you know to the side or whatever but there was a face of an old lady in it and she was looking at me do you have any i don't know it's pretty vague and it was a long time ago in general i don't have any specific names or or who that might have been but it was that was that somebody related to me i guess was is my curiosity here or was that another entity yeah, and often those orbs, of course, they're not that the, you know, and nobody's saying this, but the entity is not like crammed in this little orb, right. you know, much like Adam was saying earlier, you know, it's 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 what we're perceiving on this part. So, yes, often from these physical bodies, we perceive an orb, which is an entity. And in this case, it was an older lady. She, she didn't, she wasn't saying like she's a relative, but she's like somebody who took care of you. So I don't know, you know, Nanny or you had somebody in your life that was taking care of you earlier on um, is what it was. So now that she's passed on, she's what I call a spirit guide. And then when they know disincarnate entities know that you're in that heightened environment, or you're going to take a picture, you know, they're going to do their best to, you know, make as much energy perceivable as possible, depending on the person or the trinket in front of them. But yeah. It was an older lady is what it was um, on that one. Not uh, on this life line time, not related to me at all. Oh, in this, no, it was in this timeline is when you were young. So it's going to be like a friend of your mom's, a nanny or something like that. She, I don't have a name. Right. She's but not a blood relative. No, not a blood relative. Gotcha. And you had three other orbs around you at the same time too. At least three at the same time, because there was two off to the right of her and one to the left, which were other individuals, you know, wanting to be picked up on, chatted with if you thought about them. And that's how it usually come through. Just a kind of a subtle thought in your head. That's that whole psychic perception thing that we all have and usually ignore. We're all psychics. Um, it just depends on how much you pay attention to that stuff. Yeah, I remember it was a long time ago, and I was I was uh, really into reading about exorcisms at that point in time. 
so it was kind of scary uh scary but off settling it was cool right i mean it was cool to look at but then you know i didn't know i wasn't this far down the path at that time so it was kind of off settling right yeah it's kind of like hearing a new type i always like to try to go to a, well let's go for a food analogy this time you know a new type of food going to a new country looks a little odd you're not sure you know it's like that but that doesn't mean bad that just means you know so a new a new recipe um, but yeah there's there's lots of entities out I mean, gosh there's no limit to that it's how far are you imagining which means you know how far are you tune in your radio it's all here all the time where's your focus just like a radio all the channels are there just what where, where do you tune the radio now so in speaking of where and and being aware of where we are like so keeping ourselves centered and in the presence does that then have an effect on uh, the ability for other uh, entities to inter interact or not interact with us you do kind of choose the frequencies you're on so i would i would have it's a play of words like i keep saying but i choose to see more of myself or selves here in the here and now or another way of saying other aspects of myself now or integrating other aspects you know i was like the lots of ways of saying it in the here and now um so that then you perceive on more levels it's like saying you know i have a wine taster me well then you're gonna have a heightened sense of taste buds and smell buds i guess um and then if you're this that and so other versions of yourself in the here and now you know, again, there's, there's always ways of rewording that because I don't want somebody to think there's one way to make bread. Lots of ways to make bread. Um, but yeah, and though it, it doesn't make anything, you're not like stuck on a, a, a set, anywhere saying that, but stuck on a set thing. It it makes you, I would, if you stay grounded in the earth, centered, focused, yes, those in alignment with you can communicate easier. That's how I would probably word that. Makes sense. After I asked it, I was like, yeah, of course it does. But <laughs> um, what, what, do you, what do you think, what do you guys think about this idea of a parasite in our minds? Is that a good analogy to, to use to describe the sickness that we see that, I guess, rampant <laughs> at this point in the world? I think it's a really good way to describe more than one aspect of it, too. Um, there's a guy by the name of Jerry Marzitsky I've been paying attention to for a while now and was turned on to um, guided to uh, learn more about how he operates. And yeah, a lot of these um, energies that can attach or entities, if you want to use that language. Um, he likens it to a mind parasite as well. And um, I don't know, we kind of got into it last week too, but he's the, the way he, he's a uh, clinical psychologist, psychiatrist um, who worked in the system, in the state system in California in the seventies. And when that was shut down, moved into the prison system and did some interesting interviews with his patients once he got into the prison system and some of the rules on how they interacted with the patients uh, changed. 
And uh, it's fascinating to hear him talk about these attachments being parasites of the mind and really controlling uh, the individual um, and the individual knowing it's not in alignment, not self and being something else. That's interesting. You mentioned that Ben, cause you know, I think some, I don't listeners don't quite know, but I'm also a retired correctional officer, a prison guard for 16 years at a mm -hmm. maximum security prison. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, here in Monroe, Washington. Um, so, and the interactions I would have with these inmates uh, or convicts, or, you know, they keep changing the name over the years, the stories they tell me, they weren't real limited. So I'm literally was that we were called COs that would sit down and I had, I don't know, 12 serial killers on my unit that I would sit down, depending on where I was working that time on the unit that I could sit down with and literally just have a chat with. And then the entities or attachments, you know, again, whatever they call them over them. Oh yeah. They had writers and they would tell me about them and, you know, maybe me, I'd perceive them. Um, and I had 16 years at that place. It was a lot going on. We'll say. Um, yeah, I can, I can only imagine. Um, I'd, you know, being sensitive to these energies and um, also being one who helps spirits cross. If I drive by a prison now, man, I got a duck or, you know, up my uh, up my armor, so to speak, if I know one's coming. But you don't always know they're coming. So. <laughs> and then what about so what about the analogy of going to war then? Is this is this a healthy thing to do, Derek? I, I guess I'm asking for your opinion because when we talk about healing, we talk about the thing already being accomplished. So if we're constantly in this state of rebellion against our parasite in the mind, like is there is there ever really a true end to that besides death? Oh yeah, it's a realization. No, you just have to have the aha moment. The I don't know, you can call it lots of things that you're the I am, again, there's lots of understandings, but realize you are in control. And that's how I did it. So all of a sudden I would when I became more energy sensitive, started hearing the different entities talking to them and um things like that. I'm like, uh, you know, I mean, because that's a thing. And of course, some people their little diagnosis, we are hearing voices, you're schizophrenic. I can, I'm like, well, I can see the entities. So these people are actually hearing things just because you don't see them doesn't mean they're not there so and it's an energy thing not a chemical issue um so then realizing that and then i you know then you think well if i and i got into the mindset well if it's all on you hear it all no it's not wake up in your head calm down have make a decision because your conscious thoughts are what really control the metaphysical there's no set recipe like i say throw like joke about throw away betty crocker's cookbook just get in the kitchen and cook try and figure it out um, and the more you realize that, you'll realize there's less to do than you think. Um, so no, I don't get attachments or if I don't want entities in my odd terms out of alignment with me, the bad guys I'll make fun of, well, then I tune them out. I just shut them off. I just literally say they're not going to be and they go away. Um, and I, I will get all that. So anyway, I do whole sessions doing that kind of stuff too. Um, and it can be done remotely. Um, yeah, so anyway, um, you're never stuck in it, and you just have to realize that. So it's really a realization that you're not stuck in anything. Because I used to have what's OCD, 
Um, it's lots of versions of OCD, and I understand that. But as far as like counting things in my head, I would count in stupid, huge numbers or the edges and size, all while I'm focusing on two or three different things, just like a lot going on, let's say, that you would think would be uncontrollable. And they used to try and head med me with the Prozacs, the Paxils, you know, throw it at it. That's not what it was. It was an energy thing. And then me realizing, stop. And it, and it just, again, I can't give you an exact recipe, not that you're asking, but it was, it, it really is a realization in our heads. Um, not well, a think of it like a real parasite. It needs something to grow in and it's the yeah. environment. So yeah, the, the parasite of the mind, the counting that OCD obsession, if you change the mindset, it can't grow there. So, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing as, you know, getting a, a parasite in your mind that'll make you more aggressive because you know, you're around a lot of cats, uh, or it could be a mental virus. I think they kind of both have that same flavor. That's a good description. Well, and not, and not all parasites are bad too. Um, if like the, the counting, right. Being a vehicle to keep an area occupied. That's, um, that's such a great point. You know, you can have a symbiotic parasite in a mantra as you know being the same thing well and think of it into to to, you know uh uh, to create a uh, an allegory back onto humans um there's people that treat autoimmune disease with hookworms because we've eradicated through cleanliness certain parasites so here in the west we don't have them um and some people's systems are fighting their own system because theory you get hookworms and some people the autoimmune disease goes away because their body is now fighting those parasites, which we've always had. You use it or you lose it. So, um, yeah, that, that's really interesting to think, you know, choose your parasites, choose the things, you know, sometimes that inner demon is what drives you and gives you fuel to do the good things. I do. I like the point that you brought up, Ben, but to split hairs, it would no longer be a parasite at that point. If it was symbiotic, if it's benefiting you, then it changes the relationship. And then it's no longer just sucking your negative energy, right? It's actually giving you something. Well, maybe a parasite that's also in symbiosis, you know, that same thing. The parasite technically isn't giving you anything back. It's leeching off in its own device, but the system you have utilizes it being there. It's, it's part of the system. And when that's out of whack, you know, and, and this goes into the domestication, you know, we have removed ourselves from the environment, from frequency, from, you know, the animals, the critters, all the terpenes, the entire environment. And we've, you know, created uh, sterile rooms with, you know, uh, completely unnatural frequencies. Hmm. Well, and it's going back to the book, it, it is just turning your demon into an angel. Right. I mean, it's the same kind of idea there. And yeah, that that's that's beautiful. That's what I mean. I think that's the only way to go through life. You know, how does anybody survive horrific events or horrific things that they've done other than to go? Well, here's the feeling you get from this. That's never going to happen again. And it goes from being the horror to to me, fire, you know, drives an engine. Yeah, the the changing your demons to angels that's the mastery of transformation it's the second mastery that he gives after awareness and then the third one being the mastery of intent or love which i guess would be a little bit more forward thinking like if we're going to 
talk in terms of past, future, and present, right? Awareness would be uh, something that we have in the present. I guess it's all kind of in the present. Transformation would, well, we can affect, because you, you can reprogram past events, not reprogram, but uh, you can have an effect on past events. You can't, is it, it, it tell me if I'm uh, just talking off the top of my head here, but uh, you can't change the past, but you can kind of uh, energetically alter the, the outcome. So, like when we go to rewrite a traumatic event in our lives and try to understand it and heal it, right? We're not changing what happened, but we're changing our understanding with it, which happens in the past, right? I mean, if you benefit from precognition. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, too, that's a, yeah, you're, yeah, you can uh, affect your perception of it of the past so in essence you are you know because I mean, there's no past i mean it's always again play of words but because it's still repeating in mm -hmm. you you can change let's call it a song again you can change that song um so you can affect, yeah 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 imagine that you have a premonition that there's going to be an earthquake or a plane crash you don't go on it you're not in that place you're not you know you left the village before the volcano goes off and that information came from the future well it affected the past right so well, yeah yeah right. I, i'm slippery on time anyways i think time is just kind of like a, a spectrum on possibility you know in right. infinite possibility you know time is kind of the meter between everything and where you're at and where you can go yeah yeah i was just trying to see if i could tie those three masteries into past present and future because I, I was going to say maybe that the mastery of intent would be more forward-looking because it would be something that we use you know, uh, our intention is is created moment by moment, right? But but then that wouldn't work because we can go back and intend in the past. So this is what this is this is how my brains work. Brain brains. Yeah, I have multiple. No, it's amazing <laughs> to think about, and it's powerful because think about that: that your emotion today and what you're doing today can affect you in the past. Because if you can perceive the future and how you're feeling and things you're experiencing and information, like it's going back. You can affect your past self. So if somehow, you know, those deja vus, those premonitions, those things that just come to you from the ether, you know, I have no proof, but you know, I'm completely open to the idea that your future self is connecting to your past self and, you know, you can feed yourself benefit. And, you. you know, if the world kind of just molds around, you never know it happened because it's the experience you have. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a type of time travel. I heard, I heard, I was listening to another podcast recently, and I heard the uh, somebody posit that when, whenever we're in like a tough spot, like a, between a rock and a hard place in our lives, or or maybe we're like in a, a horrible accident, and like during the accident, we have this little voice in our head that says, "Oh, everything's gonna work out, right? Everything's gonna be okay." Uh, it was posited that that little voice is us in the future recalling the event that we're now experiencing in, in the present, but it's in that, it's in the future's past, right? So does, does that make, what do you guys think about that? I haven't, I haven't had a situation like that where I had heard everything's going to be okay. I often just say that maybe that's, 
same kind of thing. Um, cause it's almost unconscious when I do. Well, to me, um, it's one of those moments where it's, I don't think it's something talking to you. It's more of like, it is going to be okay. It's, it, it's what you mentioned before. And, and to jump to remote viewing real quick, one of the things that fascinates me about Joseph McGonagall is he recounts trying to remote view Jesus. You can't really get feedback, so you never know how accurate you'd ever be, and remote viewing isn't always accurate. But if you listen to the account of somebody you know, skilled in this, he talks about the fact that Jesus Christ, um, in essence, you know, uh, was essentially a download from the universe, but that the, the overall idea that love was really a not to be fearful, that fear really is the one thing that creates a lot of the ills of humanity, a lot of the scarcity, a lot of the things that prevents us from doing things. Instead of just going forward and marching on and becoming the Star Trek civilization, we are caught in worrying about resources and, um, you know, fear of, you know, just everything. I mean, that's all we live in. You know, we live in a, an, uh, an orchestrated system of fear, whether it's in the news or your job or caring for your family or healthcare, not paying your insurance, you can't get mobility. Like it's so many crazy things out there. Um, but if you, if everyone could break, like I was just, I was watching David Goggins today and I was thinking like, if we all had the mentality of David Goggins, we would be unstoppable. We would be that future society. We would be beyond anything to today. So I forgot where I was going with that, but yeah. Well, it's interesting that the way this whole conversation's led up, the, the deja vus, like you say, um, you know, I started experiencing not just deja vu, right? Like that's a, it was a poor way to put it. And I, I realized after uh, reviewing some journal entries that they are these, these precog uh, frame grabs, let's say, that I'll see in meditation. And then as, as I started realizing that more and practicing with it more, um, the deja vu was a, a longer experience, you know, from, from that flash to, Oh, I've, I've not just seen this before. I've experienced this before and that's about to happen. And it does. Um, and it, I, I do uh, often work with future self energy, um, especially with, with tarot. But when those experiences started happening, where these scenes that I would see in meditation started presenting themselves in my physical reality, you know, within three to six months, let's say, um, and realizing that was future self breaking into my current reality and, and giving me a sneak peek. Um, I started intentionally putting things into my sketchbook that I wanted to see manifest in to the reality in much the same way. And it was that, like you said, Adam, it was that communication with that other version of self and uh it's been a fun experiment to to not just see in meditation but then add to it through a through a sketchbook and communicate back 
No, I love that too. Cause when I, whenever I have a deja vu, I don't think like, I think both directions. I think, is this an experience? Am I, am I, which end of the deja vu am I experiencing? Meaning if I have, you know, I've had deja vus that I feel the deja vu, but I don't know what's attached to. And sometimes I feel the deja vu and I know what it's attached to. And I'm like, is this the future version or the past version that I'm experiencing? Yes. We're all time travelers. We're all chrononites. Absolutely. Yeah. If you've ever had precognition and everybody has, because everybody is capable, then you have at least time traveled with your mind or information. Either way, it's amazing. Something science won't admit to. Unless you're Dean Radin, coolest person on the planet. Which we got to interview on 13 Questions, by the way. That was super cool. But uh, that does bring us to the top of the second hour. Um, I did not have a reading or an excerpt pulled out from the four agreements this time. So uh, we're not going to end with the reading. But uh, any last words from anybody else before we sign off? Derek, possibly? Um, no, I just had a great time. I appreciate everybody and, and all the input. Um, I learned something every single podcast. Awesome. And we, uh, this is super fun. Uh, thank, thank you, everybody, uh, Ben and Adam and Derek and all the listeners for being here. We are doing this live on Monday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I will put this out as a podcast on Tuesday. So if you don't catch it live, uh, you can look for the uh, release on Tuesday evenings. And you can chat with us and interact with us during the show at chrononautchronicles.com. And until next time, chrononauts, carpe diem.